Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. It is Advent season, and before we explain what that means, uh, in the studio today we have Pastor Russ. How are you doing, brother? Good morning. Very good. Thank you. Caught you right in the middle of a cough. Mm-hmm. Nice then, work. And then Pastor Jonathan. How are you, brother? <laughs> I'm doing just fine. <laughs> and we don't have our fourth co-pilot, uh, Pastor Phil, today, so this show might get a little bit out of control. He's been carrying us during this Advent season pretty well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so Maybe at- before we start, we should yes. ask if you guys have any favorite Christmas carols. I do. But go ahead. Actually, I like Joy to the World. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's my favorite. But yeah. it's actually really, it's from Psalm 98, and it's not really, uh, it, it speaks beyond Christmas. Yeah. I agree. I think Joy to the World is my favorite. But Hark the Herald Angels sing that line where it talks about, I think it's the right hymn, uh, God and Sinners Reconciled. Mm-hmm. Man, every time that lyric comes up, I'm like tearing up because it's such a good line. What about you? I, I like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I, it's maybe not a Christmas one more. That is really it's more. Ad, it's, it's Advent. Advent. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pre. Yeah, pre Christmas. Fun. Are you guys? And you guys are. Do you guys wait until after Thanksgiving to start singing Christmas carols in your church? It's typically the four Sundays before Christmas, which yeah. would be the Sunday right after Thanksgiving. Yeah, the four Sundays before Christmas is the Advent season, and I, I don't. I kind of hold off on the actual Christmas carol. Till a bit later into that season, like uh, like you, we start with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, um, things like that. You know, your the anticipation. I try to put the anticipation in it before we get to, um, you know, what child is this? Yeah, <laughs> are you we'll, guys doing? We'll a... trickle past Christmas, so we'll do the Sunday after Christmas. We'll still right. sing Christmas songs. Right. Nice. I think we need to. Every year when we start singing Christmas carols, I'm like, these songs are so good. I wish we could sing them more often. And of course, we we can. But well, right. one thing I've noticed about Christmas carols is that, or Christmas hymns, however you want to talk about them, is that they they're not almost all of them are not just about his birth. Yeah, they they can almost all of them eventually come to his work of redemption on the cross. Yeah, and so there's some incredible theology in most of these Advent songs. Yeah. If you really stop and and think about what you're singing. Yeah. I don't like to leave the uh, Christmas season uh, right after Christmas. I, you know, it, I'm always saddened, uh, you know, because, you know, it seems like Christmas Day, you, uh, if you were to turn the radio on, somebody's already past Christmas. Yeah. Um, but traditionally, you know, there was the 12 days of Christmas. There was, you, you had Christmas and you you stayed in that season for the for the 12 days. And, uh, you know, I think it's... Um, 
Well, Epiphany they, they call, is what? Yeah, Epiphany is January 12th. something sixth. January sixth, and and uh, you know, I grew up. Uh, my grandmother used to refer to Epiphany January sixth as Little Christmas. Uh, there was, you know, this is <laughs> it's a, like the Hobbits. You yeah, know, there's, this, there's this, lunch, well, this was the day. This was the day dinner. when you would celebrate <laughs> the coming of the wise men. You know, we th- we moved that back into the Christmas season, but uh, you know. Th- that came later, yeah. so so that would be Little Christmas, and that was generally <laughs> that was generally the time when the Christmas tree came down. We need to reinstitute Little Christmas. If, <laughs> that, that sounds we need fantastic. To keep, we need to keep it. That's right. So speak, speaking of songs, um, well, real quick, Advent, um, go thirty seconds. Advent just simply means coming. It's the time when the church pauses to remember when Jesus Christ came first in in the flesh um, as a baby in a manger. And then there also, I think, should be embedded in it um, this sense of a longing for the second coming of Christ, that we look back and we look forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about songs, Christmas hymns. And today we are at Mary's song of praise called the Magnificat. Did I get that right? Yeah, ma- Magnificat. So um, it, this is from Luke chapter 1, um, starting in verse 46. I'm just going to read it and we're going to talk about it. So Mary said, so the context is she just uh, met with Elizabeth. Elizabeth uh, was filled uh, with the Holy Spirit and the baby leaped in her womb Um because the baby was filled with joy with the Holy Spirit when when Mary, um, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, came into their presence because Jesus was in her womb. So Mary responded by saying this, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So brothers, what can we say about this uh, this song of praise that Mary had? Well, first I think it's just important to, to just remember that you, we're talking about a young teenage girl um, probably 13, 14 years old, um, so very young. And so you, you have somebody that um, knows knows God, knows theology, knows the scriptures. And it's just fascinating to me, here you have a, a song that's going to reflect, at least in part, the, the song of Hannah. But this idea of that she knows that God is a God that works on behalf of his people. If you look through her song, what you find is that Throughout, she's she's looking at this and saying it's God that is the one that deserves all the praise because He is the one that's doing all of the work. Mm-hmm. He's opposed to those that are proud, and I think the underlying then sense is those that don't feel like they are dependent upon God for the things that they need in life. And she's saying, no, God is the one that 
He's the one that gives mercy. He's the one who gives strength. He's the one that exalts the, 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 the humble. He's the one that helps. He's the one that remembers. He's the one that has spoken promises and fulfills promises. Um, so you get the sense that she really understands that if, if it weren't for God, then her and his, God's people are in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's referring to uh, God as her Savior. She's rejoice. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He who is mighty has done great things for me. There's a there's a, a sense in which you see this perfect trust in who God is. That she recognizes salvation is in Him. I think I, I want to say uh, there was a number of years back, Tim Keller actually preached a message. He referred to uh, Mary as the first Christian. Actually, I think he's taking that even from um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who made something very sim- made a very sim- similar statement. This is the response of any Christian, uh, anyone who comes to know who God is. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I- I'm glad you pointed that out about she is calling the Lord, her Savior, that she needs to be saved. And the theme of of mercy is resounding through this prayer. So she is talking about, at least in one perspective, two kingdoms, the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of Satan. And you mentioned that that God knocks down the proud. In terms of those who are on the kingdom of the Lord's side, she's not talking about, hey, we gain that through our merit or through our works. She keeps on using the word mercy. In fact, at the end of the prayer, she talks about the promise that God had made to Abraham, Mm -hmm. which immediately ties in all of biblical history into this one song. Because, of course, the the promise that God made to Abraham was that he was going to be a father of many nations and a blessing to many nations. And so Mary at the end here says, as God spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Do you guys think that's an allusion to both Jews and Gentiles here? I think so. I, I think there is a sense, even though when you read through the Old Testament and even into the to the Gospels, I'm not sure if everybody got that. I don't know if they understood that, how universal. And maybe she didn't. And I'm not sure, but th- it's still kind of embedded here. But it, yes, um, I do believe that in all of the promises— <clears throat> You go back, and especially if you go back to the end part of Isaiah, who throughout the book of Isaiah, you have these wonderful reiterations of the promise of the coming Messiah. At the end of the book, really Isaiah 60 on, you have this wonderful picture of the universal aspect of um, the work of the coming Messiah that is talked about really in the book of Revelation. Yeah, the end of the book of Revelation. When you're talking about the promises that are given to Abraham, he's the the promise was that in in you uh, all the nations are going to be blessed in your seed, and that seed is referring to to Christ coming. In fact, when we get to Galatians, we we find um, the statement in Galatians three twenty eight: There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So the mm-hmm. promise is a, a, a universal promise, a worldwide Savior. We talk about the Savior of the world, but not everyone is going to be saved. But he is a worldwide Savior because yeah. there's neither Jew nor Greek. It, his salvation extends to the ends of the earth. And this is a, a great demonstration of his glory. You mentioned Isaiah. My mind immediately went to Isaiah 49 where the Lord is telling his servant, 
Jesus, essentially, it's too light of a thing that you should kind of merely be the savior of Jacob, he says. He says, I will make you as a light for the nations. And that word nations always meant the nations outside of Israel in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Before we leave Mary, I, I just think we just have to, to reiterate that sometimes Mary doesn't get a, a very much attention from Protestants because they overreact to um, really what boils down to the idolatry of Catholics with regard to Mary. And which would which looks upon her as a co-redeemer yeah. rather than we're looking at Jesus as the redeemer and they make her a co-redeemer exactly but but there's so much about Mary that is worth noting and emulating um, she is a wonderful example of faith of her submission to God her trust in God her embracing of the promises of God her knowledge of the word of God um, so Please don't overreact to. You need to have a merry Christmas. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, oh, that was punny. <laughs> and, and see in her what is so rich. I mean, there's so much in in Mary's response of faith um, that I wish I had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's delighting in the Lord. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much. So. Um, I mean, the first line is. And I guess I say that because faith should never be separated from from love and affection, as if we could believe in the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and not have affection and, and adoration for him. I mean, he she you know, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. She'll appear on the scene later, uh, you know, at the wedding feast. I mean at the wedding of Canaan and Galilee and you know, her words should stand. Whatever he says, do it. That's right. Amen. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We hope that you are hopeful in this Advent season, even in 2020, as things aren't lining up the way that we would prefer them to be. We do have a promise that our Messiah is coming again, and we will see you next time. 